And it's Dubois racing into the zone, looking to cut in. Dubois from a sharp angle. He scores! Now springing free is Dubois. Trying to break in and does. Fights off the check. What a goal! Dubois jams it to the front of the net. And the Leafs. The Leafs give up a second goal here early. Heading to the net, Dubois. Nyquist, Dubois scores! What a great play. Jackets off the wing. Dubois scores! Dubois scores! Loose puck in the slot. Pierre-Luc Dubois. Nyquist, Dubois scores! Works grand on the shot. Goes wide the save. Rebound. Scores! Dubois, full stride. Robinson cuts to the net. Dubois scores! Great work there by Foligno. Away goes Dubois. Dubois cutting in on the wing. Charette tries to get back. All right, all right, all right, and welcome to Talkin' Hockey, the Hockey Talkin' Show. Thank you for tuning in, uh, whether it's your first time or your 44th time. That's right, this is the 44th ever episode of Talkin' Hockey, the Hockey Talkin' Show, and we've got a dandy for you today. Um, we've, it's a bit of a Minnesota theme in a way. Uh, we'll get to that, uh, more on that later. I'm co-host Tom. With me, as always, streaking down the wing, I've got co-host Randy, how are you doing today, Randall? I'm doing great. And is this legit number 44? Yeah, I counted them up earlier. We Holy. did 10 the very first when we started that are on that were on SoundCloud and are kind of lost to the sands of your hard drive. No, uh, I still got it. They still exist. Yeah. 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 We'll pull and it then, out for a reunion show or something. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do a clips show. Yeah. Once we hit like 50 or 100. Episode 300. Or yeah. It's a clip yeah. show. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, we're, of course, on umfm.com is where you can find us. And then check the Instagram at Talking Hockey Podcast. And uh, for all your favorite pictures of mullets, mustaches, what have you, hockey related, of course. So, um, yeah, today's episode, we got a pretty sweet uh, interview with Minnesota hockey coach and uh, hockey legend Danny Heath. That'll be coming up later in the show. But before we get to that, we've got a special guest here today uh, for a new segment we're going to call Hawks Talk on Talking Hockey, the Hockey Talk show, Hawks Talk. Um, and we got yeah, Kyle Antonchuk, all-star defenseman for Caressive Steel, is here to join us. He's the Craig Button of... Um, of Craig Buttons. Yeah, he's the Craig Button of <laughs> Craig Buttons. He knows what he's talking about when it comes to prospects. Big Hawks fan. Uh, how's it going today, Kyle? Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, going well. Pleasure to be here. And I, I gotta say, I got much better hair than Button. Oh, <laughs> yeah. way, way better than Button. Yeah, my, my mullet's going way better than Button's. Is. <laughs> Hard to say what's going on with Button's hair sometimes. He had that little white puff, uh, for a long time, but I've noticed just last night, I noticed it's pretty much all white now. So yeah, anyway. yeah. It's no Gene Principe, but it's <laughs> that guy's a legend for sure. And running alongside Hawks Talk here is a little new thing that we're going to call uh, Talking Hockey Happy Hour. So because it mm-hmm. is a Friday and it's uh, after the work day and, you know, uh, we're going to, you know, crack a cold one here and, and some talk some hockey. So, yeah, let's uh, crack the beers and, and get into our uh, Talking Hockey Happy Ooh, Hour. That's... Tom, maybe you start first. What do you got here today? Sounds good. And I, I'm going with the Minnesota theme on my beer um, in that this is a beer from Revelation Ale Works and it's called Edison's New England style IPA clocks in at 6.4 uh, alcohol and uh, yeah it's uh, you know a 
Hearts made in Halleck, Minnesota, population 981. Um, and they so, all work at the brewery. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, this is part of my uh, 40 beers for 40 years gift that I got for my birthday recently. So nice. Uh, dipping into the stash. So, yeah. So, I'll, go, I'll go quickly next, and then Kyle, you can go. So, today I have, uh, it's not local whatsoever, but it's a, it's a Chicago based beer. And it's also a beer that we used to crush at Jets games. And I'm sure Kyle and I probably had a few of these at a couple of Jets games. I've got the Goose Island IPA. Nice. The honker. Yeah. yeah. Like so it's, it it's, uh, they used to have it at uh, Jets games and then they, uh, unfortunately got rid of the, the one good beer. So, uh, well, then now they have the, um, uh, oh man, hundredth Meridian. Uh, what's that one called? Uh, Mill, Mill Street. Street. Yeah. 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 It's okay. It, it's a step good. down from Goose Island, but Hey, maybe one day Lake of the Woods or some, some local breweries will be in, in the house. But, uh, for now I got Goose Island. Kyle, Kyle, what do you got there? Yeah. I, I didn't know there was a Minnesota theme, but I'm going to, uh, keep it local with, uh, in a roundabout way with a little, uh, mm. torque roundabout English dark mild coming in at your standard 5%. It's a, that's a lovely beer, especially for yeah. weather like this, which is, uh, for those listening at home, uh, it's minus a lot right now. We've, we're settling into a bit of a deep freeze here in uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba. So, Cheers, boys. There's that lovely sound of the beer cracking. Cheers. I'm going to pour Cheers, mine guys. into my glass. The Minnesota theme is really just, uh, I forgot to mention off the top. So this is season three, episode nine, a.k.a. the Medano. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, we've been kind of uh, naming our episodes uh, this year after famous players to wear those numbers. We've done such famous greats as Sergey Boughton, number three. We did uh, uh, Randy Carlisle, number eight. So a couple of Jets for sure. But Phil Housley, I think. Phil Housley, number six. Yeah. So, but we're going uh, like we normally keep our beers pretty local. Um, but here I am with an American beer. Randy got an American beer and uh, we're dipping down to possibly some would say the greatest American player of all time. Mike Medano, number nine uh, for Minnesota and Dallas is where he played. Well, I, I, I would say that maybe Patrick Kane is quickly uh, catching up to Mike Medano and, and maybe that's the perfect segue to some Hawks talk here. So actually go. is... You know, maybe to start it off, Kyle, the the Hawks obviously had some rough news going into the season with no Johnny Taves and no Kirby Doc. Uh, looks like Patrick Kane's the one running the ship there. Like, uh, what what are you what are you seeing from your your Hawks so far this season? Well, first of all, I think Kane has surpassed Medano for all time American points already. Um, but uh, the Hawks pleasantly surprised, I. Yes, uh, maybe I'm less surprised than others, but big blow with uh, Johnny Boy and uh, Dak for sure. I mean, this is a big development year, but uh, a lot of a lot of good things coming out of the rookies, and uh, it's it's nice to see some of them performing. So obviously yep. they've got like a more they got they got Debrinket, they got Strom, they still got Duncan Keith there. Uh, I guess you know goaltending maybe is maybe a, a bigger surprise is probably one of the aspects of. Of because you know they came into this season with Malkin Subban and and I don't even know who else is uh, Colin Delia. Okay, so so like what's what's the goaltending situation situation like in Chicago? Well, 
Yeah, they all struggled to, to start the season. That's uh, not news, I guess. But uh, Kevin Lankinen's kind of grabbed the net and been running with a show. And uh, lots of people might remember him from uh, the the uh, World Championship finish gold medal winning team uh, from a couple of years ago. And he was outstanding in that tournament. So it's uh, not much of a surprise to me. He hasn't seen any action in the NHL before this year, but he's been uh, really solid and his numbers are up there in the top five or six of every goalie category right now. He's looking good so far. Now, was he the f- goalie on the Finland team that Line was on that won the Worlds? Or whatever it was? It been a couple of years ago. So, yeah, I would assume. Uh, I just did a little fact check, or I got the intern to do a little fact check for you. And I'm sorry to say that no, Patrick Kane has not yet surpassed Mike Medano on the uh, in my mind he has all-time yeah. American <laughs> points. The leader, the leader uh, American players uh, all-time points is actually Brett Hall, but he was born in Canada, I think, but played uh, for America and all the rest of it. But and Medano is number two, Phil Housley number three, Ronick, Kachuk, Mullen, and then Kane. So. I'm sure Kane will get pretty close to the top of that list before yeah, I think, too long. But I think he's only 32 or so, he's, and he hasn't slowed down. He's got a, a few good years. He uh, put up four points last night, so yeah, good, good yeah, stuff. They, and... they beat Carolina last night. I wouldn't say handily, but they looked pretty good uh, for the most no, part. Look, like power play has been incredible. I haven't seen the power play this good in years since like cup winning days um to bring yeah, I mean, a big part of that power play and he's been pretty good uh what do you know about that guy like he's kind of burst onto the scene the this puck. well no he had a down year last year he uh put up 60 or 70 points two years ago or something uh, so i had a bit of a down year last year and saw with the three centers you know doc taves and and Strom, he kind of was all over the place and saw a lot of time on the third line. But now with the injuries and a lot of young guys, it's sort of been Strom and Kane and, and Debrinkat to, on the top line there. Um, and, yeah, he's seen a lot. He's, he's putting up some points and got his first couple even strength goals yesterday. But I, I think it'll be a big bounce back year for him for sure. Yeah, he's looking good. I got him on my fantasy team, so uh... – I'm pretty pleased about how he's playing yeah. so far. Kyle, yeah, Kyle I had would him you, in last night. Oh, sorry. Uh, would you say that uh, you know, with with this new uh, league kind of realignment in the like divisions, um, with this new central division that Chicago's in with Florida, Tampa, Carolina, Dallas, Columbus, Nashville, and Detroit, do they have a better chance of making the playoffs in this central division compared to if they were playing with St. Louis, Colorado, Minnesota, Jets? Uh, you know, and, and the regular central. Uh, that's that's a good question. I mean, who who left? Minnesota left, Colorado left, Winnipeg. But then you St. added Louis. Tampa, you added Florida. I mean, those are no jokes right there. Those two. Uh, Florida is looking like the best team in the league right now. Yeah, they haven't lost um, yet in regulation. They, yeah, they've, they've played maybe half the games. games. The other teams though. Yeah, but that power plays, I think, tops in the league right now as well. Um, so, my dog is barking. Yeah, it's it's crazy, actually. If you look at the league, you know, they're at the very bottom of, of the league um, for games played is Vegas and Florida with seven, 
San Jose, Dallas, Carolina, Tampa Bay with eight. And then you go to the other side, you've got Vancouver with 14. Like mm. you can, like, you know, I, and one thing that they've been talking about is like, are some of these teams going to be able to get in all their games? And I think it's only, it's going to mm. be something that kind of continues through the season. For but sure. uh, yeah, you're right. Like Florida looks good, but they've only played seven games. They've got yeah. a, a week at the end of the season that they'll put, they'll, they'll cram as many games into, to re, like put that are postponed. But th- at the same time, like, you know, if, if a team has to make up, five ten games like there's no way you can do that in a week really so we'll see yeah we'll see how that works but i was looking this afternoon and, and no matter how you sliced it the hawks were right in 15th place in the league whether it's points or points percentage um which is kind of interesting mm-hmm. um lots of time for other teams to make up ground on them i think but yeah That's i think they're thing. surpassing expectations right now though because yeah. like pretty much everybody had written chicago off this year looking at their goaltending situation just the amount of rookies and stuff they're one of the youngest teams this year i believe yeah uh, yeah like average age um 26 something i can't remember what the yeah i know i heard that numbers earlier but like right now like yeah they're they're kind of just on the cusp of that central division I don't know who the official sponsor of that is. Might be like, uh, you know, Credit Union uh, America or whatever, uh, Central Division. I I think it might be the Royal Sports Central Division. (laughs) 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 Um, So actually, Kyle, how about about like, uh, is like Kirby Doc was injured during the World Juniors there? Like, is he he close to coming back? Do you know? No, he'll be... He's gone for a He'll while. Be done for the for the season, I think. And I thought it was, you can almost see it in that uh, replay when they slow it down. His his arm had a nice little bend to it when he was going off. Uh, there's there was surgery there, and I think he's uh, he's out done for they, the year. They originally said like two three months or something like that, didn't they? Uh, yeah, that's well, what I, I had heard. It just seems like the World Juniors were so long ago, but. I guess yeah. they really weren't. It's like a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it sucks for him being such a, you know, second year in the league, big development year, but uh, I think he took such strides between last regular season, and the playoffs. There's, there's not so much worry about him not developing yeah. into a top player. You know, the last uh, NHL game that I attended was, um, you know, before the uh, pandemic hit was, uh, Chicago and Winnipeg game uh, with you, Kyle. That would have been uh, late December, I think. And then I had plans. I was like, oh, I'll just go in March again. And then obviously that didn't happen. But um, I remember us watching that game and thinking Kirby Doc, you know, for a, he was 18 at that time and just thinking like, wow, like he's going to be a, like, you can see glimpses of how he's going to fill into his frame and become quite a good player because he's a big kid and everything and you know he looked good i don't remember if he had any points that night but chicago took it to the jets that night uh pretty well if i remember correctly yeah disappointing that he missed the whole world junior because i was really looking forward to seeing him match up against some of his peers and even playing along a guy like dylan cousins who spent the year in junior versus Doc going straight to the NHL and having mixed bag of, you know, some success and some not. So what's the right development approach? Mm. Uh, you know, so it would have been good to see him play against some of those younger kids. 
But also last year or last season in the bubble, like you saw how good he was. He and, so and, um, you like, he, he was a big part of the Hawks beating, uh, Edmonton, right? Edmonton, like, yeah, yeah, for sure. He really, uh, part of the shutdown unit to, on McDavid and he looked so good in, in the world junior camp and some of the, just from uh scrimmage games, the thick plays that he was making. So just a quick, a quick look at Chicago's stats here right now. Patrick Kane's got 15 points in 12 games. Kubalik's got 11 points in 12 games. Debrink has got 10 points in eight in eight games. So he missed some COVID. Uh, I think he got COVID mm-hmm. or something, or he was on the list. Yeah. But they're they're yeah. like you know they still have guys scoring at a pretty good clip here. Uh, Janmark, uh eight points. Strom seven. Suter seven. Like so, there you know if you look down the list, Duncan Keith's got zero points or zero goals, five assists. But, but how it, about that hair? Yeah, that's probably the sickest hair mm-hmm. in the league. Um, but yeah, look, it, look, it looks like, uh, it looks like, you know, like the boys that are still, still around are, are picking up the slack. Uh, actually, I totally forgot that Zadorov went over to Chicago. Yeah. yeah. From, from, Car- from, from Colorado. I guess besides Colorado. goaltending, which that land, uh, what's his name? Lankanen or whatever his name is. Yeah. Um, is that what it is? I'm like, Don Cherry, Lankinen, yeah. I can't remember dude's name. <laughs> yeah. But but besides the goaltending, the big question about Chicago this year was their defense, and you know uh, uh, Connor Murphy. I think that that guy he's been playing pretty well. It looks like, and um, and then yeah, you mentioned Zadorov. He's kind of a big, nasty D man. Um, <clears throat> who else they got in the back end that's catching your eye, Kyle? Uh, well, Mitchell, Ian Mitchell, coming from. God, I don't remember where he was playing college. He was going for another national championship last year. And I know the Hawks were trying to get him to come in and turn pro last year, but he wanted to go back and compete again. And unfortunately, COVID ended that. So his first year of pro, kind of, you know, he looks like a, a rookie sometimes out there, but shows real flashes of mm. he's a real good skater. playing. He's playing top line with Keith right now. Um, Bocus is injured. Uh, he needs to have a big year, but... Uh, Nicholas Bodin stepped in and he was another first round pick in that same year that they drafted uh, Boquist further down in the draft. But uh, just read yesterday or today that um, Bowman was saying he's had one of the biggest development off seasons of, of anyone out there. So he could potentially step in and he's uh, and be a good player for them coming up. Nice. And they still got DeHaan as well. He's pretty good. Yeah, as long as he stays healthy, he, he's pretty solid. So yeah. the D's looking better. Seabrook's out again with injuries, I guess. That's maybe not a surprise. Did he make a but, comeback? Uh, I thought he was still out from... He was supposed to come back in training camp and thought he was going to be ready for the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, team's playing with two or three rookie D on any given night right now. I mean, lots of rookies up and down the lineup. Yeah. Um, and it's that's that's kind of an exciting thing for Chicago fans right now. Yeah. See guys like Suter and Kurosev. Uh, yeah, that Suter guy kind of came out of nowhere for me. I didn't really know anything about well, him, and then and so then... similar to Kubalik, he came from the Swiss league and was a top points producer in the Swiss league. So two years in a row, the Hawks have gone over to Switzerland and signed the top points producer out of that league and brought him over. So I don't know that he'll be as successful as Kubalik was last year, but Kid's got a real good motor. He's all over the ice, works real hard, and has a good two-way game to him for sure. 
there's a good chance that Chicago like could could be flirting with a playoff spot too because like with teams like Detroit, Nashville, and Columbus, um, you know, I feel like Chicago could is definitely like you know at par with some of them a little bit better than some. Um, it, it, you know, I guess you could say Florida. Are are they going to be consistent? Like, can they keep this up? Um, you know, they basically need to stay ahead of four teams here to make the playoffs. So, to me, they, Columbus kind of took a step backwards. I don't know. I know I that think they're. So. I I agree. They're 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 kind of like a 500 hockey team right now, and then they just added Line A, obviously. And, well, you will see how much but, he fills in that. Yeah, like uh, you know, so that that might really help. But they just lost uh, Elvis. Elvis has left the building. Their goalie, Ms. Oh, no. Mers Lurkins, he got. He got injured, and I think he's on the IR now. So um, that's probably not the best news for Columbus Blue Jackets fans out there, if there are any. I don't know. Is I think, there's, a I think there's one or two. Um, yeah. I think Jack yeah. Roslevic. He was a fan of the Columbus Blue Jackets. <laughs> that's right. And Jack Roslevic's dad, and uh, that's about it. <laughs> His uncle, maybe. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let, let's switch to some Jets talk here. Um you know, obviously, you know, thinking back to like our, our, our takes on how the Jets would finish in the, in the first date and then the next date. So I think in the next date so far, they are two Oh and one, um, you know, that's, I think a, that's a better than I th- thought. Um, Kyle, what's your take on the Jets so far? Um, what you've seen so far in the first, uh, whatever this has been 12, 12 games. 11 yeah. Games. I haven't uh, seen they've played 11 as- so far. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen as much as I'd like to as my TSN got cut off. But uh, <laughs> I was listening on the radio the other day, and fortunately, Game Center's all blacked out, so we got to work that out yet. But I don't know. They look, they look pretty okay. Um, some the game last Steelers night. is looking good. The game last night was pretty much their best 60 minutes that I've seen them play this year, for sure. They've had, like, they've had, like, good stretches and then like they'll play like 10 or 15 minutes of like the work it's like they've just they've never met and they just like all uh, on the ice together for the first time and they look sloppy and all over the place but last night they really beat calgary and put it together for a 4-1 win and and kind of like just they looked like a good team and as long as hellebuck is doing hellebuck things he's got to get it together though i have hellebuck in my pool and boy it's uh Pulling my hair out a little bit. Uh, can't wait for that guy to start his season already. Yeah, he'll... he he looked legit yesterday though. Like he'll that looked, going. Yeah, that looked like Hellebuck yeah. from yes from last year. That looked like you know the, returning to form for sure. The glove yeah. save on uh, I think it was Dubé well, or whatever that guy's name is early in the game. Yeah, and it was almost like he gave him half the net to shoot at, and then he just like <laughs> makes this casual glove save and. Yeah, nice. But and what's Ehlers, uh What's he on a seven-game goal-scoring streak or something, or seven in the last six or something like that? Who's that? Ehlers. Ehlers. Nikki. Uh, Nikolaj. Nikolaj. It's pronounced <laughs> Nikolaj. Um, no, I, yeah, I, I don't think he's. I, did he score yesterday? No. I don't know no. If he Appleton. Last night, no. Appleton, Appleton had two. two. Shifley had one. And, uh, Kyle Connor. Connor had the other. Yeah. But Ehlers has been playing lights out. He's been great mm-hmm. using that speed. I, I always knocked him in his playoffs. I think he had a bit of a coming out last year in the playoffs. But, I mean, you got to get there first. And he's with that contract and speed, he definitely helps you get there. For sure. Um, I think 
you know, uh, the Jets are off now until Tuesday when the, when they head to Calgary to play the Flames for their fourth game in a row. Calgary's going to play Edmonton tomorrow night, so they'll have a game in between. But um, pretty wild. It's kind of like a rematch of last summer's pl- play-in round, except the results are going the Jets' way this time. Um, and in uh, Tuesday's game, we should see the debut of uh, Peter Luke of the Woods, numero tres, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, so that'll be kind of exciting. Kyle, yeah, we, we kind of last episode, Randy and I were talking about where he fits into the lineup. Where do you see Dubois slotting in? Well, I mean, obviously, number two center pushing uh, Scheif for ice time up and down, you know, all uh, special teams included. But I think it'll only make Scheifele a better player as well. Who do, who do you put on uh, PLD's wings? Because right now, Shifley's with Kopp and Ehlers. And yeah, then uh, Stasny, recently, yeah. Stasny is with uh, Connor and Wheeler. So if, if you if you could erase the whiteboard and, and put, put, the, put the guys anywhere, where would you put PLD? When the trade happened, I was really excited to see him in between Ehlers and Stasny. And I thought him driving the net with that big body. And I think he's a little bit even if the size is similar to Shifley, I think he's a little bit more physical of a player, but seeing him driving the net and creating those lanes to get Ehlers closer to those high danger scoring areas. Cause I still think he's a little bit, you know, plays on the periphery of the ice sometimes and will peel off and, and not cut to high danger areas. But I think that potential and, and Stassen just so smart. You can find either of those guys when, when it matters. Mm-hmm. So I think that might be a, a nice one to see. And he's yeah, fast think, too. Not only is he big, he's fast. Yeah, the yeah. speed, the speed of Ehlers and Dubois together could be lethal. Or even I, in that case, if Ehlers stays with Shifley, maybe, and it's Connor beside Dubois. Uh, we all know how fast Connor is, so maybe that. I was reading combination. Reading one article, and I was talking about controlled zone entries, and it was a little while ago, so I don't remember exact stats, but. Dubois was was right up there, top whatever. I think I mentioned this to you last weekend there, Randy, but he was only behind like Ehlers and Connor. So, I mean, just another great uh, guy to carry the puck through the neutral zone and into the offensive zone. Yeah, and if you think about like another guy to add into the mix for penalty kill and on the power play. So, like if he if he joins power play number one, then someone someone uh, jumps down to power play two. From from the current current huge, uh, setup, huge. Um, yeah. uh, and then actually the other thing too, I think they they talked about this on the TSN broadcast last night. But the same way how Edmonton plays, um, you know, McDavid on one line and Drysaddle on another, and then there's times where they put them together. Like you know, there's no reason why you couldn't put Shifley and PLD and Kyle Connor out there as a line. You know, if yeah. you need to throw something together, or you know, like. Shifley played wing a whole bunch. Like if you think about during world juniors and during world championships, or um, I think PLD has also played on the wing every once in a while. I, I read an article today actually by a local sports writer, Ken Weeb, uh, Weeb's world there. And he was talking about um, how actually, uh, well, I mean, it was, it was uh, uh, Dubois 
coach in Cape Breton when he was a Screaming Eagle. Uh, he actually uh, was a winger until one game when CB was out with like they they were down a couple centers and they needed they needed him to step in and play center. So he took like a whole bunch of faceoffs in practice that day, and then he never not played center again basically he was just like okay i'm a centerman now so like he can obviously play wing too but but like and i think um shipes is a righty and dubois a lefty yeah which could be a nice little combo if you throw them on the same line right yeah and you think about that in the key face-off situations late in a game where you have to win a draw or you're stuck in your own zone or something defending a one goal lead you bet two centers out there just in case one guy gets tossed um, yeah. yeah same he, thing with like uh andrew cop being center but playing playing on a wing right now so if he's you know if he's with uh one of those two guys or whatever like in it's almost like you got two and same with stasny you, you almost have a couple guys out on the ice always that can that can take draws yeah. yeah, will will Cot be still there, or will he get bumped down to the third line, and and you but have even, two centers on the third line again? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, then you got Cop and Appleton and and uh, and, Lowry. and Lowry together. Yeah, yeah, like it's exciting. Like it's basically this guy comes yeah. in and everyone jumps to, uh, bump gets bumped down a spot. Yeah, so much. Yeah, this one player. It's amazing how much more depth that can add, especially when it's a centerman. Like yeah. it, it seems like. Imagine if this was a winger coming, like then it's like, what do you do? Like, but if this is a centerman and you could clearly see in the bubble last year, how uh, the, there was a lack of depth at center because Shifley goes down and then who yeah. even plays number one center? Cause they didn't have a Stasny last year. So who plays center? It, it was Wheeler that went to, uh, top line center. And then all of a sudden, like you could just, the, the lack of depth was, was, uh, was evident, but um, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, Kyle just strength. Yeah. So last last question for you, Kyle. Um, you know, if if you had to, you know, this is still pretty early in the season, but what what's what's your what's your take on on the on the rest of the season for the Jets? Do you think they've got the team to to make the playoffs and and uh, you know make a decent push, or what? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's that whole North Division is is tough and. I think there's more to see from Calgary yet than what they've shown. Uh, not shaking surprised. Out shaking out yeah. a bit different than I had thought before the season started, like with Calgary Montreal and Edmonton. Montreal not... doing better than I thought. Yeah. But uh, certainly I think Winnipeg can make it in there. And, and if they can still make a move to shore up the D maybe a little bit, uh, there's no reason they can't go in a long run. Mm. Their next handful of games here. So they got Calgary on Tuesday. And then... Uh, they're back home for game two games against Ottawa, and then they go to Edmonton for two games, and then they go to Vancouver for two games, and so their next set of games, and then they then they'll finally see Montreal, who they haven't played yet. And Montreal, I mean, they lost to Ottawa last night, but Montreal's been looking pretty good. So I think, you know, not to say that Calgary hasn't been a test, and Edmonton will be what a test and everything, but the Jets haven't really had, you know, they, they've only played Toronto once and they haven't played Montreal yet. And I think that those are the kind of two teams so far to beat. Right. So it'll be interesting to and see. And that'll this. make, make a big difference in the standings. Right. Once they start to play those other teams. Yeah. Yeah. But a couple games against Ottawa coming up, uh, 
some a chance to uh you know make up some ground and and uh get some yeah. points on the board so yeah those games against ottawa like those are must wins like you you can maybe like afford to lose one or maybe go to overtime with one but like with how tight it's going to be from position one to probably six mm-hmm. you can't let too many games against ottawa slip away and another right. perfect example of like the jets are like three three games through of four total against Calgary. Winnipeg got at one point in the first game and then they've won the last two. They're now 15 points and Calgary's at nine. So like it's a, if you have a stretch where you're playing one team, like in these mini series and you can take most of them, that's a, like you're going to definitely create some space. Yeah. 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 Like all of a sudden there's a lot, probably a lot of panic in Calgary. Uh, You know, they're, I know over the summer they were all talking. No, uh, Johnny Goudreau. Has he has he played his last game as a Flame, and and he just uh, had a nine-game point streak going until last night when the when it was snapped in that game against the Jets. But now they're, I mean, not not that he's the same quality player, but Sam Bennett. There's a lot of talk about him. Has he played his last game as a Flame and all this stuff? But it seems like there's turmoil in Cowtown. Anyway, they've. Um, you know, the, having definitely dropped the last couple against the Jets, and all of a sudden they're way back in the standings. And yeah, like it's it's, it's an interesting season this year as far as the mini series against teams go. Because yeah, you drop two out of three or three out of four, and it's like all of a sudden that other team's you know taken off in the standings there. So yeah. Well, right on, Kyle. Thanks, thanks for joining us. Um, you know, it was a pleasure having you on. I think the, I guess you could call this the very first uh, talking hockey happy hour, or have we done this before, Tom? Last well, I think Friday you and I have recorded at happy hour a few times, but yeah. we've never publicly announced it as a talking hockey happy hour. So, uh, talking talking hockey happy hour, uh, Hawks talk with uh, Kyle Antichuk. <laughs> and maybe yeah, on on your way out, Kyle, just uh, do you, the. Whether it's hockey related or not, uh, like let's throw to a song here uh, for for a bit of a break here. What 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 song would you like to hear on talking hockey? Oh man, that's the cuff. Um, you know, I I gotta say the first thing that popped in my head was the good old hockey game. All right, right on. Okay. Which version? <laughs> yeah, there's a million versions. Stomp okay, and Tom, Tom, go classic. Yeah, yeah, gotta be. I saw that butt guy at the Burt, and uh, it was a lot of fun. I gotta say, friggin' right. Good stuff. Okay, well, here's Stompin' Tom with a good old hockey game on Talkin' Hockey, the Hockey Talkin' Show. Hello out there, we're on the air, it's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game. Second period, where players dance with skates of flash, the home team trails behind, but they grab the puck and go bursting up and they're down across the line. They storm the trees like bumblebees, they travel like a burning flame. We see them slide the puck inside, it's a 1-1 hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name, and the best game you can name. 
broken name is the good old hockey game. Take me where hockey players face off down the rink. And the Stanley Cup is all filled up for the champs who win the drink. Now the final flick of the hockey stick and the one gigantic scream. The buck is in, the Canadians win the good old hockey game. Oh, hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. All right, that was Stompin' Tom, uh, Stompin' Tom Connors with the hockey song. Uh, such a classic, and uh, you know, kind of crazy we haven't played that on the show before, although we've I think we played a, a version of it by somebody else. Possibly I think Del we played Barber. the the Dell Barber version, yeah. Correct, right? Yeah. Um, which I mean, that's such a standard go-to album, the Dell Barber and the No Regretskys. But but it, they, you know, they owe it all there to Stomp and Tom, Canadian icon and legend. Uh, he's been everywhere, man. And yeah, that's the, a yeah. He wrote a song a about it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I I I gotta. If if you're ever just killing time on YouTube, go uh, find the Stomp and Tom concert that is recorded. It's like early '80s, I'm pretty sure, or late '70s, at the Horseshoe Tavern in Toronto, and they've got like the whole concert, but it's you know broken up into songs and whatever. It's amazing. It's and like it's such the bar is so smoky that you can <laughs> barely see the stage, but it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the intern just handed me a piece of paper and by the intern i mean wikipedia um uh when you look at his wikipedia page the instruments they have them down as vocals boot and guitar which seems appropriate <laughs> because he's stomping exactly well the, like i mean just a little fact for you here i don't know uh so he got that name he he started uh, doing a weekly set or whatever, a nightly set at this bar in Sudbury, Ontario. Home of Randy Carlisle. At home of Randy Carlisle. And um, they, he uh, was like kicking, like he, you know, stomping the stage as he played that he was wearing a hole in the stage. So the owner of the bar gave him a board to stomp on. Oh yeah. Like that. So anyway, I don't know how accurate that is, but. I thought you were going to say the owner came up and said, Tom, quit stomping. And then he's like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it might have been. <laughs> Very well might have been. Yeah. But yeah, classic Canadian song right there. Thanks, Kyle, for joining us. And thanks for recommending that song because we, uh, you know, if we had to check the archives, I don't think we've spun that one before here on Talking Hockey. Right. Okay, so yeah, let's uh, transition now to um, a little interview we did, uh, pre-recorded, but we'll just throw it in here, with a guy from uh, Minnesota, uh, by way of Arizona. Um, his name's Danny Heath. Heater, uh, he's uh, a Minnesota-based hockey coach, I guess you would say. Welcome to the show, Danny. 
Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Uh, any chance I can talk hockey is something I jump at. So I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah. Just, uh, oh, oh, sorry. sorry. Go ahead there, Randy. Just share with, uh, with our listeners where, where you're located right now. Yeah. So I, I am originally from Arizona and, uh, but I played my college hockey at Minnesota state and I, I ended up marrying a Minnesota gal and good luck getting a Minnesota girl out of Minnesota. And so <laughs> definitely, uh, we're in Minnesota for the long haul, but it's the state of hockey. And so couldn't be in a better spot in my opinion. Yeah. For a hockey guy, it seems like the place in the U S where you want to be as far as what I know anyway. And, and uh, maybe I'm stealing your thunder, Randy, but like Arizona, that doesn't necessarily seem like a hockey market. Does it? No, no, it's not. Um, my mom is Canadian. Uh, I'll, I'll never admit that. Um, but I guess I just did, but I try not to admit <laughs> that, especially after world juniors. Uh, I had to get that shot. I had to get that. shot. In um, but yeah, I grew up in Phoenix, um, West Phoenix, Glendale to be exact. And yeah, super non-traditional hockey market. And it's just, that was kind of right when the Arizona coyotes back then the Phoenix coyotes came in and I got super lucky to get attached to another kid with the same birth year. His dad, Jimmy Johnson, played in the NHL for 15 years, ended up being our coach. And then our assistant coach was all Samuelson. And it's like, oh, wow. was, it was unbelievable, right? Like there's yeah. my whole, people always say like these horror stories of these youth coaches. And for me, it's like, man, <laughs> I had to play two on ones against guys that played in the national hockey league for 15 plus years. And it's like, yeah, I was pretty blessed, but it, it definitely was a non-traditional route. And I, I started playing roller hockey, uh, which was my my first true love and probably would have never switched. And until somebody was like, hey, you can't really go to college on on the roller game. So I, I made the jump and, and never looked back. Right on. So I got to give our, a shout out to our friends at Hockey DB. Um, they don't know that we're friends, but we, we love their website. So I, I looked on hockey DB and you're on there. So one, number one, kudos to that. That's pretty sweet. Like you really? can type in your name into hockey DB and it's there. So yeah, yeah. The, the one thing that I learned is obviously seeing that you're from Glendale. So just take us through like, um, how, how does minor hockey or how does getting into hockey even, yeah. how do you even get started down there? Yeah. Like it, it seems to me like, and I don't know, I've never been, but like, there can't be too many rinks in Glendale, is there? No, there was, and there, there really wasn't one when I was growing up. Uh, the rink that we played at was like, it seemed like an hour and a half drive just to get there. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, um, it was super non-traditional and it, um, I played youth hockey all the way, all the way up until I left home to play juniors. And it, it was one of those things, like we, we only had double A hockey there and like in that area of the U S it's like triple a hockey is what you want to play. It's the only kids that make it anywhere. And my group of kids that I played with, we were, we played double a our whole lives, Well, we'd actually play, we'd play a hockey our first year of like peewees. And then we'd play double a our second year and then Bantam and then midgets. And then finally midget 16 year, we finally got a triple a team, uh, which was, which was really cool. We we're actually sponsored by PF Chang's the restaurant. I don't know if you've heard of that. Yeah. I think um, there's one in Winnipeg, is there? There is now. There, is, there, there is, is one now. Yeah. It's fairly new. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that place is phenomenal. And we got we got to eat there when we were on the road. So like I wasn't wasn't complaining one bit about having it. <laughs> um, but it was cool. And yeah, I played there my played my whole youth hockey career. And it was it was pretty special. I don't know if it was something in the water, but we had about there's probably 13 to 14 kids from my team that ended up playing division one hockey. Um, there was only like one kid that didn't, and he ended up 
playing division one golf, which he probably got the better <laughs> end of the stick. And yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely a unique experience. And I mean, I'm glad I, I'm glad I grew up where I did. It was, it was awesome. That's super cool. And I know just from playing, you know, summer hockey up here, it's like nothing beats going to the rink and flip-flops and shorts. So, <laughs> no. hey, you get to do that all the time probably, eh? Uh, yeah. Unless you're playing rep hockey, which you probably had to like wear like, you know, nice clothes or something. So, yeah, a lot of track suits and stuff like that. <laughs> it, was, it was cool. And yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that Arizona State, they have a Division One hockey program now. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad they never did when I was younger, because if I went to that school, it's ASU is a uh, is a very big party school, and that'd have been tough to tough for me to stay focused. So I'm glad they didn't have that when I was growing up, and I'm I'm ultimately glad I went to Minnesota State. So tell us what it was like to grow up like with the Phoenix Coyotes there, because being from Winnipeg here, the Jets left, and so like that period of time Welcome. for me. Yeah. From, from 96, I kind of like, you know, I didn't have a team anymore and you got it. So, uh, so like yeah. growing up, like how many games did you watch? Did you have a favorite player or like, what was the vibe like around the city? It was, uh, it was something that was exploding because they got there and they were good. Right. Like Jeremy Rona, Keith Chuck, Danny Breer, Shane Doan, like Javi Bullen, that list goes on and on and on. It's like these people that I like literally had all over my walls. Right. And they were, they were such a huge influence and, they kind of came in at the perfect time because it uh, it was cool, right? And it was it was honestly cool to know we were getting him from Canada because back then I I didn't know like I thought back then when I was a kid I thought whatever team you're on I thought you were from there so like wow we're getting all these Canadians to come down and play for us and right. I'm sure most of them were um, but yeah that that experience was awesome it, the games were were fun when we could go at that time they played on the other side of town. Um, so I didn't get to go to too many, but it was cool to watch. And, you know, ultimately I got to skate in a few of their preseason camps for the coyotes when I, when I got a little older and to skate with Shane Doan and some of those guys. And it, it was pretty cool to kind of see that full circle where Doan was kind of like my huge influence. And then I actually got to have a few skates with them and, and learn from him and pick his brain. And it was kind of full circle, but yeah, it was awesome. It's pretty wild. Um, so like you were mentioning, you know, you get to, yeah, you had Alf Samuelson as an assistant coach on your youth team and whatnot. Like who would you say um, would be your, the, your biggest influence in hockey? Like, as far as when you were growing up, uh, you know, was there a player that you really looked up to or tried to emulate or that kind of thing? Like, I, I think you were a defenseman. Am I yeah. correct in that? Yeah. yeah. I kind of bounced around a little bit defense and forward, but, as I got older and I kind of solidified the defense spot, I guess you could say. And it, um, I, w I would say like my two, honestly, my two coaches were right. And so like we had Jimmy Johnson who coaches, he coached in the national hockey league for a while now, and he's still coaching in the, at the pro level. And um, he was honestly the biggest influence. Cause he, he retired as an Arizona coyote. And he, it just, like I said, it was a perfect storm. Um, did I emulate my game like those two? No. Like if you've ever watched Alf Samuelson <laughs> yeah. play. <laughs> yeah. Alf, uh, he was known for his thundering uh, yeah, body checks and whatnot. And he would, he would do that in practice. Like you, it was, those two would be defensive pairs in practice. Cause we had, we had three pairs and so they'd be the fourth pair. <laughs> and so like, you could imagine trying to play against these two, like you weren't, <laughs> you weren't getting the puck away from these guys unless something was going to end up hurting which I think was good. Like, I, th I think it was really good for the, for our, our team. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think those two obviously have a heavy, had a heavy influence on me. I always loved watching like Eric Carlson and, and those kind of hockey players, just the way they control the game. And 
I don't know. Part of me, part of me thinks I paved the way for Austin Matthews, but um, <laughs> I'm sure, uh, I'm sure he did a little bit of that himself. Yeah. So what kind of D man were you? Were you like stay at home or were you wheeling and dealing or what kind of player were you? I, I did my best to, to bring the offense. It, uh, I, I was kind of a high risk, high reward type of guy and not everybody liked it, but you know, some, I mean, some years I led our, our whole team in points and and some years I also led the whole team in, in plus minus on the, on the negative side, right. <laughs> yeah. Jacket, so yeah, Somebody's got to, somebody's yeah. got to have that. Um, but yeah. And that's kind of, that was kind of always my thing. Um, just trying to bring offense, but I always, I mean, I could defend, I wasn't afraid to do that. Um, and I just, I mean, I love running, running the power play and do those type of things. I, I wasn't afraid to fight, um, but I was, I'd say I, I got in two career fights in my junior career. One's, one's on YouTube. Uh, I actually get my head slammed into the ice, which is a, a huge buzzkill, but um, I'd say I'm 0-1-1. and So I wasn't afraid to, <laughs> wasn't afraid to fight. I wasn't, I wasn't good at it, um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of all over the place, honestly, but I, I enjoyed the, I enjoyed having the puck more than trying to get it. So, yeah, the junior hockey in Canada, uh, depending, you know, on the level, whether it's, if it's junior C or B, pretty well known for being scrappy leagues. Uh, yeah. Maybe not as much anymore. I think they're trying to really get uh, fighting, you know, out of hockey a little bit. But um, was, was it – and junior A, like here, high-level junior, you know, there's there's a lot of fighting, or there can be. Was it yeah. is it similar in the States? Is, is fighting – was it, you know, kind of uh, – Yes and no. I mean, I, so I played in the USHL, which, um, which would be considered to like the BCHL in Canada, mm-hmm. um, like that higher level junior a, probably not quite, um, I, the higher end USHL teams could definitely hang with some like Western league teams and Quebec teams and things like that. Yeah. Um, maybe not quite the high end teams on that end, but it, uh, I, so I went as a senior, so I left my senior year. I left home, went to Kearney, Nebraska, which is literally, if you look at a map, it's right in the middle of the United States. And so I went from a graduating high school class of over a thousand kids to 45 kids in my grade. And I was like, <laughs> holy cow, this is nuts. Um, all farm it, boys probably. Uh, yeah, it was, it, but it was cool to play for Tri-City. Uh, and I was two years there, captain my second year, but it was, um, it was, one of those things, like I honestly, the second I left home, I could not stay healthy. Um, but to, I mean, to circle back to your question, the fighting was definitely there. Mm-hmm. Now it's irrelevant in that league. Like it's really not a thing. Um, yeah. But when I was playing, it was, we definitely had guys on our team that were there to fight um, like Pierre, Paul Lamoureux, uh, Mario Lamoureux. They, they were on that team and um, Pierre played. I don't remember, I think Pierre played at uh, and Red Deer with Phaneuf. And so he would always tell, war stories about that guy and so he kind of <laughs> carried that over into into the ushl and so yeah we definitely we definitely had guys that fought um but it uh it's definitely get changing obviously as you guys know well mm-hmm. i see here he uh, pierre paul had 244 pims that one season yeah <laughs> just a couple <laughs> <laughs> so just tell us a bit about like what was it like playing for for tri-city storm like are you, were you traveling a lot? Like what was the vibe like around town? Like, were you the, were you the big show in town and everyone would come there to watch the games and yeah. yeah. Were you on the road quite a bit? Yeah, we were, I mean, we were definitely on the road. Uh, we were kind of on the outskirts of the league. So all our bus trips, like our closest bus trip was two and a half hours um, to Lincoln, Nebraska, which if, if you ever watch a junior game in the States, go watch a game at Lincoln, Nebraska. It's the coolest place uh, to play a hockey game. And, 
Um, that's why I actually fought their opening night, which is why I did. I was like, this is, this is bucket list stuff. Uh, <laughs> and so, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it was cool to play there because we, we had, a, we had a huge crowd every night. It was, it was the only ticket in town. We were treated super well. People, people loved us. At least we thought they did. Um, and it was, uh, it was a great experience. And I, I played there for, for two seasons. Um, but like I said, my, my first year I played, um, maybe, maybe 15 games where I, where I could say I was honestly healthy. And then the next season, very first game, um, is actually when I, I separated my shoulder, had to have surgery. I was done for the entire year. So I only got one game in my second year. Um, but I fought that game. So if you look at it, I averaged a fight a game in the USHL, <laughs> which I still think is a record to this day. Um, so I'm fired out about that, but, but then, yeah, then I got traded to Des Moines, um, and played for the Buccaneers, which was probably one of the coolest parts of my, my career. I got to play for JP Parisi right before it was, it was the year before he passed away. And, and I played for Mike Gensel, whose son plays for the Penguins. Um, so that, that year, that year was so cool. It was phenomenal to learn from those two guys. Any, any notable guys you would like would have played against in those years? Like guys that, you know, are made it to the NHL or, you know, that are, are around the game right now? Yeah. Like in that league that year, I mean, there's quite a few I'd have to kind of go back and look at it. Like Jaden Schwartz played. Um, he played in Tri-City the year I got traded. Um, so we're, we're playing against guys like him. Um, he's Canadian, I believe. Right. Yeah. He's Canadian. Uh, yeah. He's from Saskatchewan, I believe. Yeah. And so, um, there was, I mean, there was a bunch of guys I'd have to like John Carlson was in the league when I was there. Um, Scott Darling, NHL goaltender. So we, we had a few different guys, um, that ended up playing in the NHL. I mean, there's a ton, I, I would just have to go back and look, but, um, I'm sure I'm missing some, some big names, but I think I had, I had seven concussions through college and then I retired Cause I was tired of getting hit with hockey pucks and my third year or my third game coaching, I took a puck to the mouth and broke my jaw and got another concussion. So oh like, God. like while you were on the bench, on the bench in beautiful Northfield, Minnesota, took a puck right to the mouth, bone oh, was sticking out, completely shattered my jaw. And so one hockey pucks are hard and, and two, it's, it's tough to get away from those things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, okay, so you retired from playing and then you started up coaching, um, which is what you're doing now, uh, as well as teaching. And uh, so tell us a little bit about um, coaching, like you're you're doing some, uh, like you've got the Project Hockey um, project, (laughs) I guess, for like, yeah, that's what it is. Um, Yeah. Yes. I mean, so I, so I played my college hockey at Minnesota state and my sophomore year is actually when I stopped playing just cause it, like I was more worried about tying my shoes. Like I was out of school for a month at a time and yeah. I got another concussion and it was just like, it got to the point where it's like, okay, I want to be able to tie my shoes when I'm 50 versus another couple right. of years, maybe go grind it out and try to make it to the NHL. It's every kid's dream. Right. Um, but it, uh, I ended up calling her, calling her a year, a retirement, whatever you want to call it, call it quits and coached. I got to be a student assistant coach for Minnesota state, um, which was cool because our head coach, Mike Hastings, who is the most winningest coach in the last six years in all college hockey. And that means Minnesota state is also the most winningest team. (laughs) Um, But 
good program to be involved with. Yeah. yeah, that that program is buzzing right now. Last year they were number one in the country before COVID hit, so they could have could have done some damage, hopefully. But he he played at St. Cloud and he broke his back his sophomore year, and so he kind of went through a similar experience. And like he took me under his wing, and I mean this guy coached the world junior team. This guy coached this guy. He's one of the best coaches to ever do it, right? And so got to learn from him for two years and wouldn't trade that for the world. And that part was fantastic. And as soon as I got out of the college, um, I guess my years, I, I started up what, what is project hockey and it's uh, it's been a blast ever since. Like I, I still do a ton of skills coaching um, for the university and just for other organizations around Minnesota and, and actually in Colorado and St. Louis and different areas. But um, project hockey is exactly how you said it. Like it's a project cause it's our, our goal and our mission is to just leave the game better than we found it. And I was that kid back in Phoenix where like, I'd always ask my mom, like, how do I get better at hockey? And yes, she was Canadian, but she'd be like, I don't know, leave me alone. I got stuff <laughs> to do. And I, I remember like going stick handling in her kitchen, snapping one of her cupboards off her, come smack me in the head and be like, okay, you're done, done training for the day. Uh, made me tougher, but it didn't make me better. And so like, I, I always wish I had something more. Right. And that's what, that's what project hockey is. It's a, it's essentially a, um, a hockey development program for kids that want to get better at their own home. And we've been around for about three years now. And since COVID's kind of came out of the woodworks, there's been a lot of people kind of coming out and kind of taking advantage of the hockey community. And you guys know it best. If you don't take care of the hockey community, it's not going to take care of you. And it's been our mission just to reach out and provide our platform for free to, to any kid that, you know, their season was canceled, they're, they're in quarantine or they're just missing games. We just, we want to reach out and, and help kids out, but it, it's pretty cool. Like we have stuff from mindset to, to hockey IQ to skill set sessions. And we've, we've partnered with some pretty big names from around North America, um, including, I don't know if it'll be a big deal to you guys, but we just signed Maddie Rooney um, who's, the U S Olympic goaltender who, who won uh, the last gold medal against team Canada had to take another shot. I'm sure you guys could take shots at me for an hour. I get it. Um, but yeah, so we're, we're doing like, we do stuff for goalies. We do stuff with associations. We've got, we work with over 50 youth hockey associations and, and have quite a few members that use it. And it's uh it's pretty cool. So, I mean, like I said, I'm not trying to sell it. I'm trying to give it away for free. So if anybody has interest in it, love to love to talk project hockey with them. Very nice. So that yeah. can be found projecthockey.com. I think it is, is it? And then yeah. on uh, Instagram at project hockey and anywhere else, uh, Twitter, all the usual sort of places, I guess. All the usuals projecthockey.com. Uh, my Instagram is Danny hype. Uh, but that's, uh, that's another story that has nothing to do with hockey. Why it's hype, <laughs> but people, people think it is, but it's, uh, it's got nothing to do with it. Yeah. One last thing, Danny, uh, maybe just tell us a bit about like, uh, you know, uh, hockey, your hockey's ex- experience as a fan right now. Like who's your team? You watching hockey night, you know, every day, like what, what's your hockey, uh, life like right now, like off the rink. Yeah. It's uh it's a nightmare. Cause I stay up too late watching hockey <laughs> and then I'm exhausted, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. Like hockey is so good right now. Like you see Crosby trying to do this backhand Michigan stuff. That was pretty wild. Yeah crazy it's awesome um it's fun to watch right now and i'm uh as soon as we bought a house in minnesota i swore my allegiance to all minnesota teams which right. is hard for me watching the wild they've had they've had an okay start um bad. i've been watching some wild games too and i gotta tell you 
Randy and I were talking about those new uh, retro reverse sweaters they were wearing the other night, and those are pretty sharp. <laughs> they are, yeah, yeah, they are. They're uh, they're a different look for sure, which I think we need. And that Russian, <laughs> that little Russian kid, he can, he might Cap- be a ball Capri's player. Off, yeah, yeah, he might be a ball player for us. So it'd be cool to. It's going to be cool to watch him. Hopefully we can help him or get him to stick around for a little bit, but it's yeah. fun to watch Gre- him. Greenway looks pretty good. And yeah, I don't know. There's some nice pieces there in Minnesota. Yeah, it is. The wild. Yeah, for sure. It's a, it's a good time, but uh, yeah, we'll see. But the I mean, the whole league is just top to bottom. It's, uh, I mean, I'll, I watch, We I got the little NHL package, right? And so it's just like, I bounce around from game to game. I love watching the Leafs just because of Matthews and the, the Arizona connection. And right. uh, it's cool. So actually um, two segments, reoccurring segments we have on our show. One's called the local legend and another one's called the vintage hockey hair player. And I think without a doubt, I think the vintage hockey hair player for this episode needs to be Elfie. Absolutely. I'm going to have to say, but <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, maybe to just to put you on the spot a little bit, is there like a local legend that you'd want to, uh, you know, p- put forward that could could be uh, the local legend for this episode, and you, you could go for Minnesota or you could go for Arizona, um, whichever you you know pledge your allegiance to for this. But you know, yeah. who, who would be your local legend? Uh, well, let's let's hope this count. Like, can I? I'm gonna pick an old college teammate of mine for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, right on. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Teddy Bluger right now. Uh, ex teammate of mine plays for the Penguins, and he's like last I checked, he's like fifth on that team in points, and he got bumped up to the third line. And so like, if you knew this kid in his path, um, he's, uh, he's a, he's a phenomenal, he's a phenomenal person. Uh, he's a phenomenal hockey player. And I think he's got a bright future there. And so he's, uh, he's a, he's a legend right now for me. And I, I love watching, I'm glued to the penguins just cause obviously knowing someone on there, it's, it's, yeah. it's always more fun to watch. Um, but yeah, huge shout out to Teddy Bluger. He's, he's helped out with project. He's always willing to help out, um, and do different things. So it's, uh, yeah, I'm gonna give it to him. Awesome. Yeah, I, I, I watch a fair bit of pens too, and um, they're not doing as good as I'd like them to this year. But you know, right. but uh, I, I have faith they'll turn it around. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, right on. Right. Yeah, but Teddy, he's uh, he's off to a hot hot start, and he was kind of he was kind of starting to click, and then COVID hit, and I think he was at nine goals, just about to hit the double digits, and COVID hit. But he'll get that this year, and. Well, hopefully, but uh, we'll see. But yeah, he's uh, he's tearing it up right now. So big shout out to him. Good stuff. Right on, Danny. Well, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, you know, it's awesome to to hear your story and connect with the uh, you know the the whole reason why Tommy and I started this show is it's called Talking Hockey, and we just started it because we love to talk hockey. So it's yeah, great we- great to hear your stories and and it's uh, you know a pleasure to pleasure to meet and and chat with you and. And uh, yeah, like I said, Tommy and I, uh, the whole reason why, why we're doing this is similar to, to what you said, like, you know, like try, try to leave the game better than you found it and, uh, you know, like look after each other kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for, thanks for having me on and uh, look forward to, to hearing the episode and many more. So thanks boys. I hopped up the plane at LAX with a dream in my cardigan. Welcome to the land of fame access. Am I going to fit in? Okay, that was a taste of uh, Miley Cyrus and Party in the USA, which, of course, was the victory song for the uh, USHL team that 
Danny Heath played for. Um, so thank you, Danny, for uh, coming on Talking Hockey, the Hockey Talking Show, and doing that little uh, chit-chat with us. It was great to have you and uh, really learned uh, a little bit about U.S. hockey uh, that I didn't – stuff I didn't know. Um, and, uh, yeah, stuff about Minnesota, the, the state of hockey, as it were. Um, and, yeah, I've got my Minnesota beer tonight, uh, the Revelation uh, – Pale New England IPA and and it was cool to learn about the USHL a bit more. Um, you know, yeah. I after seeing guys like Kyle Connor and and some other USA, uh, you know, developing players come up into the NHL that came, all came from that league. It was it was cool to get a bit of an inside, uh, you know, some inside look through Danny and um, yeah, just the the project that he's like Project Hockey, the his whole initiative with that thing and making sure that. Um, you know, the way that in his words is that he's, he wants to give, give back to hockey as much as hockey's given to him. And he wants to leave the sport uh, better than the way he came into it. So again, thanks Danny for taking the time to chat with us and we'll, we'll have you back on the show soon. Uh, and the actually, if you uh, heard, um, you know, he had a couple of references to Ulf Samuelson uh, right, yeah. in the chat there. So, uh, you know, without uh, further ado, um, Alfie is definitely the vintage hockey hair player of the week this week on uh, talking hockey. That's right on here on season three, episode nine, AKA the Medano, our vintage hockey hair player actually is going to be Alf Samuelson. I can't remember what number he wore. I think he might've worn number five, but I could be totally wrong about that. But, um, Alfie, of course, he's from uh, Sweden. Uh, according to Wikipedia, a little town called Fagersta or Fagersta, Sweden, um, and you know, Alf, if you don't remember, he was a big, bad defenseman of the nineties. Um, and, uh, the New York times, uh, actually there was a, uh, <laughs> a quote, uh, that he was the lowest form of human being <laughs> and the most hated man in hockey. So it doesn't sound like somebody you think should be coaching youth hockey in Arizona, but there he was, um, and I'm sure that like those were exaggerated because, you know, like the way that guys play and who they are on the ice is often not translate to who they are off the ice. But because um, you hear about those super intense competitive guys. Right. And like they'll just like mow you over on the ice and then they'll buy you a beer afterwards kind of thing. But um, definitely Alf uh, Samuelson's sort of trademark. He was like known for those like low hip checks the swooping hip checks um Sub submarine they would call it sometimes right, yeah. uh, kind of a little 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 dirty at times depending on the situation but right but definitely it was uh, like a a 90s style of body check like that open ice kind of hip check or yep. or low lower kind of hit that's right and he was a defenseman of his era for sure like he played the game in the style of the era so it's not like whatever but and he was just kind of like one of the best at it which is why you know he was so dirty and hated i guess but um you know he was kind of infamously uh known for the knee on knee hit that kind of took cam neely out um i don't know that that was like i don't i can't i, I would have to watch the clip and stuff but i haven't really seen it lately um but uh i think that was kind of the one that ended cam neely's career in a way you know um but he uh yeah you know like 
uh, Ulf played for the Whalers. Uh, if you check Talking Hockey podcast Instagram, you'll see like a long time ago a photo posted of Ulf in a Whalers uniform, and he's got the sweetest frosted tips that you know are known to man at that time like early 90s just like this gel job happening with the bleached ends and yeah he's looking very uh very good in that pittsburgh penguins he played for the rangers the wings and the flyers i could be wrong but was it did he win some cups with the penguins was he on the he he won yeah to uh, uh, 91 92 he was on both of those teams yeah yeah and that's that's kind of where my the bulk of my Alf samuelson memories would be from would be seeing him on those penguins cup winning teams in the early 90s i and he he spent a few years there uh before kind of going to new york to more or less end his career he kind of had a little mini stint and he only played four games in detroit and then he capped it off in the year 99, 2000 in Philadelphia, which, so I was on hockey DB earlier today, uh, looking at the draft from 99, um, just because, I mean, there were different reasons, but, uh, that, that 99 years, that that's the year. And I think we'll, we'll get into this some other episode, but that was the year Pat, Patrick Stefan was taken number one overall, uh, infamously, uh, known as one of the worst. Yeah, the biggest bust. Yeah. But anyway, that's for another that's for another day. But so Alf ended uh, with over a thousand games, regular season games in the NHL, and his PIMS are an astonishing number. Like, like I I I don't know if the intern can do the math here, but he had. 2,453 penalty minutes in 1,080 games played. So, you know, definitely a minor penalty a game at least. I don't, I don't know what that's adding up to, but yeah, for sure, it's like two to one there, uh, two point yeah. five to one almost. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah. Like if you if you think about uh, Alfie, uh, you know, he he. If you do a quick little search on Google. Uh, he rocked number five for most of the teams he played for. He was number five. That's what I kind of thought, but I couldn't yeah. remember. Yeah. Um, again, like if you, you know, thanks to our good good friends here at Hockey DB, they just don't know we're friends yet. Uh, <laughs> Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, he had about four seasons with them. His first two seasons are the seasons that he w- would have won the cup with them. Um, but uh, like a, a majority of his playing career was all was with uh, Hartford and then New York. So even though. Uh, he won the two cups. Um, he spent a lot of time. Well, actually, pretty much the same amount of like uh, six seasons Hartford, five seasons Pittsburgh, five, uh, four seasons with the Rangers. Yeah. But um, to me, I, I think Alfie is he's either a Whaler or a Penguin to me. Like, right. Yeah, I don't a, really remember him as a Ranger to be honest. Yeah, like I, I vaguely I remember him and uh, as as a Ranger, but he's definitely like when he would have hit uh, Cam Neely, that would have been in the playoffs, deep in the playoffs, Eastern Conference Finals, if maybe, or uh, Prince of Wales Finals, if you want to call it that back yeah. then. <laughs> um, but it was definitely Penguins versus Bruins, and that might have even been around the same series where uh, Mario, like little dipsy dude, th- dipsy doodled through uh, Ray Bork there. 
Yeah, yeah. But, but to me, like I said, Ophi is is a whaler or a penguin. But um, yeah, he's also gone on to have a, a like a pretty pretty long career so far in coaching. Yeah. So uh, he's he, and he's currently a scout for Seattle for the Kraken. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. That's so that's his current role. But he was, uh, you know, tied into our Hawks talk earlier in the episode here. Uh, he was uh, an assistant to Joel Quenville, but then got fired along with Quenville. <laughs> so, yeah. So like a quick little like rundown. He was assistant coach, like this is NHL only uh, assistant coach with the Coyote Phoenix Coyotes. And I think that would have been, um, no, this is a lot later than uh, when. Uh, he must have just called Phoenix home or something because, um, yeah, he never really played in Phoenix, but yeah, so he must have just been affiliated with the Coyotes in some way or another. Ass- assistant coach with Phoenix from 06 to 11. So that might have been, I guess, um, Danny would have been around 16 to 21. So that's a lot of the, like he mentioned that Alfie was his coach there. Yeah. And so, so, uh, you know, that's, uh, where the, where that window happened. And then he was, he went over to Sweden and coached, uh, head coach for a couple of years. And then he came back. Uh, Rangers, uh, head coach for the Charlotte Checkers in the AHL, assistant coach for Chicago Blackhawks, scout for the Kraken. Actually, in on Wikipedia, it says he's the assistant coach for Florida Panthers right now. Oh, yeah, it does too, right? So, okay, so maybe he uh, quit the Kraken and he's a... Uh, he got off the coach crack. With, so him and, him and Quenville must be... They must be buds, buds. yeah. Yeah. Because he's uh, coaching in Florida with Joel Quenville right again, reunited at last. So nice little Alf Samuelson facts there, um, and uh, yeah, he's our vintage hair hockey player of the week. Uh, and I will uh, definitely post some more frosted tips, Alf Samuelson, on the uh, Talking Hockey Podcast Instagram. So. Um, Let's uh, so our local legend this week, as Danny mentioned in that interview, he wanted to give a little shout out to his bud uh, and former University of Minnesota Mankato. Mankato, Minnesota Mankato. State. Okay, we'll just get this right once, and then we'll we'll just to as pay respects to Danny. But it's Minnesota State University Mankato, so okay. that's where he would have been teammates with. Teddy Bluger, uh, who is the third highest scoring member of the Pittsburgh Penguins right now, uh, ahead of Evgeny Malkin, uh, who's doing a whole lot of nothing right now in Pittsburgh. But um, yeah, Teddy Bluger, uh, product of Riga, Latvia. Um, and he came over to North America, I think, to play his uh, hockey at the in Minnesota there and then got drafted by Pittsburgh uh, played in the AHL for Wilkesbury Scranton for a few years. And then he made the jump like all those Pittsburgh Penguins prospects. They groomed them well over there in Wilkesbury Scranton. Um, and then they, they make the jump seamlessly to uh, the big club in Pittsburgh. And, and uh, yeah, Bluger's been there for a few years now. And he's kind of working his way up the lineup. And he's playing some good hockey. If you're watching the Penguins, you definitely notice him out there. And uh, yeah, I think um, uh, he's got something like six points right now through eight or 10 games. So 
Yeah, it's uh, looking pretty good. So yeah, he's a centerman for the for the Pittsburgh Penguins, a, a team that you know both Tommy and I uh, enjoy watching. Uh, he's probably well with uh, with Sid and 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 Gino ahead of him in the lineup. He's li- likely centering the third or fourth line. So probably plays with Tanev. Yeah, I was gonna just say he's probably uh, buddies, and they maybe they go for a, a Zoom beer after the game together. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, but yeah, in reference to Tanev. Um, I'm thinking next episode we got to maybe do a little bit of a catch up on on Tanev time. Absolutely. And um, yeah, so again, uh, our our local legend, you know, not so local to Winnipeg or Manitoba as usual, but uh, coming from from Danny, uh, Teddy was a local legend over in Minnesota, where you know this the the theme of this episode kind of uh, centered around being Mike Budano episode, and then. And then you know the the good times and and the great great experiences that uh, that Danny had down there. So uh, yeah, yeah, I think pretty much to 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 wrap things up, uh, you know, we kind of went off off script this week with a couple guests. But hey, uh, you got to keep things fresh. If the if you know you gotta you gotta put the lines in the blender sometimes. Uh, <laughs> maybe maybe we uh, talk about that a little little too much with the Jets. Uh, who knows? But maybe it's. Yeah translating into our to our episode that's right but uh you know if you think ahead to uh, upcoming episodes we've got some segments that uh we could revisit we, we had the old uh, five card draw we had the uh, hockey right. hockey card war we had the the book review segment you know there's there's some well, i got a new hockey book actually <laughs> i will uh i'll try i haven't actually dipped into it but check this one out here it's uh one oh, game yeah. at a time by hanran Sing, the uh, Hockey Night in Canada announcer. Uh, another did, uh, another Pittsburgh pen, uh, Penguins connection there with yeah, the Benino. Bonino, Bonino, Bonino call. So I got his book for Christmas. So um, I need to still dip into it. But um, yeah, so anyway, right maybe on. a possible upcoming hockey, talking to hockey book club uh, subject there. But yeah, no, uh, no shortage of... Um, upcoming uh segments for upcoming episodes and we'd love to have more guests on too so thanks for tuning in stick uh, you know stick around for uh future episodes we're going to uh you can find us of course on umfm.com or apple podcasts just search talking hockey find us on instagram at talking hockey podcast and um we're going to leave you with a song here by one of my favorite bands of all time. They're called Chicks Dig It. They're from Calgary, Alberta. Um, this, this, it's from a. Uh, it's hard to say what the song is called. It's called, I guess, Edmonton, Calgary. Uh, but the song is really called 2020, 2012. and it's um, they they released an EP a few years ago called 2012, and it's one 24 minute long track, and uh, it kind of just like has all these different segments based on places they've been and played shows and all the rest of it and uh their their song about edmonton and calgary has some references to the respective local hockey clubs there so i thought it'd be a good little uh hockey themed song to go out on so yeah keep your stick on the ice check your lie randy Enjoy Chicks Dig It. Uh, not only is this a great song, but they've got a whole discography of great music that, you know, populates the Crest of Steel uh, warm-up playlist. So, uh, 
yeah, do yourself a favor, check out some Chicks Dig It, and uh, once it maybe warms up a degree or two, make sure you're getting on those rinks. Yeah, for sure. We'll see you next time. <laughs>